0: Hi, and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that takes the ultra-fortified Hydra Castle and opens the alien portal. I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions.
1: And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. Together, we are working our way through the good, the bad, and the not merciful, but necessary of the MCU.
0: So listen up, A-Holes. We're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3. Or, you know, at least the first 10 episodes. something our listeners should be aware of right we're doing a little bit of a programming change starting today we are back to television
1: yes Mm
0: -hmm. we are covering 10 entire episodes this is how you're gonna have to deal with all this television people (laughs) we're gonna do it in big giant swaths
1: (laughs) it's either that or we die before we finish so those are your two choices well, I'm or not sometimes any
0: die of boredom, right? I mean, not <laughs> every one of these episodes is worth talking about in that right. level of detail. And uh, and and no shade, because I'm actually enjoying Agents of Shield mm-hmm. now. I'm fully, I'm here. Um yes. But but it is like a network television show that expects you to pay attention for twenty seven thousand episodes in a <laughs> season. So not every episode is really like carrying its weight. you That's know, right. But, But in addition to that, at least for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes, I'm going to have to take a little different tactic with the four color facts Mm -hmm. because they don't really introduce like a whole bunch of new ideas for me to go into, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure that in our next episode, I'm going to get to talk about some bonkers jazz from Secret Warriors, which yes. is a book you may remember me mentioning before because it established an ancient Egyptian Avengers fighting off an alien invasion. And also Leonardo da Vinci as an undying spy master of the secret society known as the Shield. I love See, it. See, that may <laughs> ring some bells. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not this episode. And I'm mm-hmm. also pretty sure, I'm like 90% sure that I'm going to get to discuss a villain with one of the wilder concepts period. Uh-huh. But again, next episode, yes. next episode. In this episode, I'm going to talk more about some thematic things that haven't really been part of the MCU outside of agents, mm-hmm. which is this is this is not shade like when I say it about Netflix, right? But is yes. honestly only kind of, sort of MCU, right? Well, how like is it
1: kind of, sort of MCU? I mean, it it has it has textual support for the Winter Soldier. We've got yes. like yes,
0: yes. What that's why that. So I would actually say. That's fair. Let me amend, it is MCU adjacent. It's like the suburbs of the MCU, right? Okay, fair enough. The stuff that happens in the big town matters to the suburbs, but it ain't the suburbs, you know? (laughs) Right. Unlike Netflix, that's like, those are our second cousins. Over there. We see them like once every 10 years. It's usually a funeral, honestly. So, yeah. But these themes, these themes that are being brought up in Agents, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to me that they're being brought up here because, friends, Mm -hmm. we have to talk a little bit about the X-Men. Ooh. Okay, so the X-Men, you get a little bit of history here to make this all make sense. The Mm -hmm. X-Men were one of the few missteps in the early Marvel days, okay? Uh Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, the Hulk, they all slapped from jump. I mean, they sold. They sold. But the X-Men didn't quite catch on under the original pens of Stan and Jack. Mm (laughs) Drink. They created a squad of entirely waspy teenagers, Oh. as a metaphor for racism. So, you know, a <laughs> bit of a misstep. Plus, Stan decided to make them talk like a script for beach blanket bingo was fed into an AI that was based on Stan Lee's own bullpens bulletins articles. <laughs> it's real hip, it's real happening, only not at all because no child has ever spoken like this. Neither has any adult, possibly no space alien. Okay, so it just, it didn't catch on, okay? Mm-hmm. But it did have good bones. So Mm -hmm. even though it was canceled, you can't deny that there's like some good thoughts in here. So the basic concept is Professor Charles Xavier, the most powerful telepath in the world, starts a school dedicated to training mutants Mm -hmm. who are people born with a genetic anomaly that gives them superpowers, which, because America is always America, caused them to be hated and feared (laughs) by the general populace. And in fact, that's the raison d'etre of the X-Men. This Mm -hmm. is a quote you will hear over and over and over to fight for a world that hates and fears them.
1: Oh, God, that's interesting.
0: It's a great hook,
1: right? It is. Come on. Right. Okay.
0: Now, so naturally, the concept is revived um, Mm -hmm. about 10 years later, in 1975, uh, by Len Wein and Dave Cockrum in Giant-Sized X-Men number one and Mm -hmm. then is immediately handed off to Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum in the regular book, Uncanny Mm X-Men, okay? So Wein, Cockrum, Claremont, and later John Byrne worked with a multinational, multi-ethnic team of mutants who proceeded to sell more copies than the Bible. So the reason I have to bring up the X-Men is because they fight for a world that hates and fears them. And they do so while Loki being domestic terrorists, <laughs> which is very much a thing going on in the early episodes of this season. Yes, absolutely. In fact, there was a moment not too long ago where it looked like in the 616, they were in the process of replacing mutants as a concept with Uh Inhumans, probably due to the various movie deals making it impossible for the X-Men at the time to appear in the MCU. So there was a push in the comic books. Like they didn't just like get rid of the mutants, but Uh they stopped making new ones. For Ooh, the most part,
1: but Inhumans were originally part of the Marvel canon yes. and the things, right? They were just different. So
0: what you had was a very and boy, will we get to this? There will be yes. more of this when when we actually, God help us, watch the Inhumans television show. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about like scary second cousins, man. There's but gonna be
1: some drinking involved in that, I think. Y- ooh,
0: yeah, if not more.
1: Um <laughs> so
0: yes, the inhumans actually showed up very early in the Fantastic Four, but mm-hmm. the inhumans that you saw were only the royal family. And they they are like a subset of humanity or sort of a sort of a branch evolution of humanity because the creed mm-hmm. janked with our genetics, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But they had their own entire kingdom in society and by the Uh time they showed up uh, well I think they were still in the Himalayas when they first showed up in Fantastic Four but Uh not very long after that they moved to the moon because they were just like humans suck and who can (laughs) fucking argue at this stage (laughs) so they had this whole civilization that was based around only the most uh, genetically pure who had had the most training were only those in humans were allowed to Mm -hmm. go into the Terrigen mists okay so what you have in the more recent history is uh, a for reasons that oh believe me I'm sure at some point we'll get into they set yeah. off a terigen bomb okay? okay so it mm-hmm. covers the world in minute particles like particulate of terigen mists so yes. all of these people that are just wandering around who have inhuman genes like in their background you know uh-huh. who knows how many hundreds uh perhaps thousands of years you know yes. mm-hmm. that that the inhuman was introduced into their bloodline but now they have it and they all go into a little cocoon and they come out with new powers right okay mm-hmm. and for the longest time that was the only way we were getting new super people when before yes. it was just like fuck it if we don't have time for an origin just make them a mutant
1: all right uh-huh so The
0: 616 for a minute there looked like it was going to go real hard for that. And now, frankly, it's kind of confusing because they've more or less gone back to just having mutants. But also there's all these characters, some of whom got really popular that are also (sighs) in humans. And let's just, you know, everybody don't look too closely. Right. (laughs) It's kind of, you know, what it is. Um, So as I say. Again, most likely due to the movie deals. That was the 616's push. And I understood. And I'm going to explain why I actually think that's not a bad idea. But it also hurt me a little bit because I love the X-Men. Yes. (laughs) So Spider-Man was 100% my gateway into Marvel. But his Uh amazing friends. You're the right age to possibly remember Spider-Man and his amazing friends. (laughs) It's a cartoon.
1: And his yes. amazing
0: friends on that show are X X-Men.
1: Ooh. And
0: the whole team of X-Men actually made a guest appearance on his cartoon more than once. And this just made sure that I knew very early on who the X-Men were. And yeah. I was like, Who's that angry fellow with the knives in his hands? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Cause I am a boy of a certain age at that yes. point. What do you mm-hmm. want? You know. Mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood with unbreakable knives in his hands, my God. <laughs> And also, this is just weird and I've never been able to explain it. But for some reason, my library had like 10 years of Claremont's run, like all bound <laughs> up like they do magazines that oh. I could check out. I read it a lot. How okay. awesome. Yeah. But between those two things, I was hooked for decades. Yes. For decades. And I love their fucked up, very imperfect metaphor, because mm-hmm. really, I mean, you you know, it's not bad. Science fiction is for exploring these kinds yes. of things and creating mm-hmm. a stand in for uh, for racism or later a mm-hmm. stand in for the AIDS crisis when they introduced a virus that only affected mutants. Like, it's not a terrible idea, right. but it mm-hmm. feels like they never quite or entirely managed to unhook themselves from the fact that it all started with five white kids you know like it's always just a little bit chugging along but i love it i love Mm -hmm. that the metaphor only kind of works and i love that it's one of the most soap opera books to ever ever exist it has Uh actual evil twins i love it (laughs) i know they have long lost parents and siblings. Everyone fucks everyone else at some point in the whole thing.
1: There's actual demon
0: possession. It is basically passions, but with more spandex. Oh, my I God. I kind of
1: love it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Really. Could not mm-hmm. recommend. Now, listen, it gets a little fucking wild in the late 80s and into the 90s.
1: Well, but as there's did a whole podcast
0: yes. to help you through that. Thank you, Jay and Miles, who explained the X-Men. But it's worth it. It's good. Uh-huh. It's good. But if we're honest, like mm-hmm. if we're and and to be and I'm going to tell you, I think about this stuff all the time and it didn't occur to me until they had to start doing shenanigans because of movie deals. But if we're honest, the inhuman gene causing mm-hmm. random superpowers is a lot more thematically in line with all of the ancient alien stuff that Stan and Jack loved to just cram into the Marvel Universe's cosmology. hmm. Prehistoric earthlings have been seriously tampered with by at least the celestials and the Cree. There's Mm -hmm. probably more, and I'm just forgetting. (laughs) The mutant X gene is often tied to whatever the hell the celestials did to us, but it's not really like definitively tied to that. Mm -hmm. And they never really do anything interesting with it. It's more like, as you're passing, like, oh yeah, I bet that those giant god scientist geneticists are responsible for this. You know, you're just driving by. Mm hmm. But having a group of human beings within human genetic potential from who the hell knows how long ago, that's fantastic. Like, that's yes. right in that ancient alien stuff, right? Mm-hmm. How much Neanderthal do I have in my DNA? Fuck that. Tell me how much Alpha Centaurian <laughs> I still have in my DNA. That's what I want to know.
1: 23 and me, baby. <laughs> yeah, they failed me
0: on that score. One reason that I like this so much is that it ties every single person with superpowers into something cosmic, right? Like Mm -hmm. larger than themselves. Yes. While also having their regular mundane lives completely ruined by mundane prejudice, right? Right. So like Mm -hmm. simultaneously, you're like, I am stuff made of stars, and that asshole just burned down my house because of it, right? Yeah. It's great. Mm -hmm. Like it's really Mm -hmm. strong thematic stuff. And you can imagine what it would be like for those folks, like the average guy, you know, Mm -hmm. who just lives in the Midwest and can do something completely low key, like start small fires, right? you know, know, uh, float three inches off the ground. You can imagine what it would be like for them when Black Bolt and Medusa, king and queen of the Inhumans, show up and just declare themselves king and queen of all of them. That'd be amazing. (laughs) And now this is the part that is an unpopular opinion, and I may hear about it. But okay. if we're brutally honest, <laughs> the X-Men work best in the 616 when they're basically off in their own corner. OK. I mean, how much sense does it make for large swaths of people to hate the X-Men because they're mutants, but be totally fine with Captain America, Captain Marvel, the Wasp, She-Hulk, and mm-hmm. whoever else, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Where are the government programs making giant robots to register and or murder them, I ask you?
1: Right.
0: Now, I know real life people are personally inconsistent. So liking Captain America, who has superpowers, and hating that guy who has superpowers because he's a mutant right. is legit, right? Yeah. But Fictional universes, they have to make more sense than the real world. It's Absolutely. not fair. Absolutely. It's not fair, but it's true, right? Because
1: they're written. Because when something is written, when somebody's making a choice, you can't rely on, oh, that's the way it would really happen, because reality is a complete mess. Fiction is an attempt to make our reality make sense. And when you do that, you can't live by the rules of reality.
0: Yes. So that is excellent. Yes, I agree. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. I mean, I get that it would totally be that way in the real world, in but the real here world, but that's not what we're doing. World. Yes. not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And when you have now, also, it was the '60s, and the X Men mm-hmm. came out in the '60s. And you, you, for anybody who has kind of like looked at the broad swath of horror, you know that the '50s were very much the enemy within of horror, right? Yes. Like your pod mm-hmm. people, your blobs, stuff like that, because we were terrified of commies. <laughs> Lonnie's laughing because she's seeing me laugh because yeah. <laughs> because I'm really socialist. So that cracks me up that I would just be an object of terror for any random 50s suburbanite just makes me happy. But so the idea of like randomly from within us for no reason, for nothing we did.
1: Uh And
0: that's where the threat comes from. That's mutants. Like, I get Mm -hmm. it. Right. But honestly, that's in humans, too. And now you Mm -hmm. have an alien threat. So so it's both from within us and from without. What happens when they come to collect that check? It's just. It's just more thematically resonant. Yeah. And all of this swings around to why I don't think that the X-Men should be integrated into the MCU. Mm-hmm. By all means, be MCU adjacent. Be another Earth in the multiverse that Endgame accidentally established exists in the MCU. <laughs> But they cannot be part of the main earth and Uh maintain their own thematic resonance as mutants. Because, frankly, the Avengers of the MCU have given the world enough reason to hate and fear super people without slathering a clumsy racial metaphor on top of it.
1: Right.
0: So for the X-Men to just show up and do that shit, like in the middle of everything, would be even weirder than it is in the 616, Mm -hmm. where it sometimes gets a little weird, right? And even worse, and I know you're going to not believe this thing that I'm about to say right now, (laughs) but even worse, it would negate what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing here, Uh which is actually finally quite good.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad you like it.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it only took 45 episodes, I guess, right? Something like that.
1: There was good stuff in season. Two, but we'll argue about that in a little bit. <laughs> Four Colors Facts is not the place to do that, yes.
0: I bet we don't. But mm-hmm. at any rate, argue about it, I mean. Uh, and I'm also fine, similarly, with the uh-huh. Netflix stuff being redheaded stepchildren that have been disavowed by the MC. I'm fine with all that. Mm-hmm. But they have always maintained like, at a corporate level, at a, at a marketing level, like in yes. every way mm-hmm. that really matters, they have maintained that the agents mm-hmm. are actually part of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a bad idea to shit all over your new franchise's themes, as well as shitting all over your longest-running and most popular small screen property. Mm-hmm. So here I am defending Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and condemning the X-Men? Ha ha ha! Honestly, this may be as wild a turnaround as Lonnie has had on Thor.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That was a pretty, a pretty hard turnaround for me, I gotta say. Get dark and beardy, and then suddenly I'm in your corner. I don't know. Let's
0: uh <laughs> let's go back and listen to my first thoughts on those uh season one agents. <laughs> <laughs> episodes. Someday,
1: someday we will get drunk and listen to these old episodes <laughs> together as old people and annoy a
0: retrospective.
1: <laughs> annoy everybody around us. All right. So now now I guess it's time to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 3, Episodes 1-10. through ten. For the first pod of Season 3, our team of plucky agents deals with the rise of inhuman, superpowered people popping up all over the world as they ingest fish products infused with the Terrigen crystals that fell into the sea at the end of the last season.
0: Daisy heads the team that retrieves the newly Inhuman, but another shadowy government group called the ATCU keeps beating S.H.I.E.L.D. to the punch. The group is helmed by a woman named Rosalind. Coulson confronts her only to discover that they're both trying to do the same thing, protect the world and protect the Inhumans. But there's a new Inhuman named Lash who is killing them all by burning their hearts out of their chests. Drama queen.
1: Fitz won't give up on bringing Gemma back from wherever it is that she went, and they figure out that by bringing the monolith to a location in England, they can reopen the portal. Fitz goes through and retrieves Gemma from the planet she was on, but it's not quite the happy ending he envisioned, as it turns out that Gemma met an astronaut named Will on the strange planet, fell in love with him, and is determined to go back and save him.
0: Meanwhile... Ward is assembling a ragtag group of baddies to build a new and improved Hydra. As Hunter and May go after Ward to take him down, he orders a hit on May's estranged ex, Andrew, who just barely survives. When May goes after the kid who was watching Andrew and working for Ward, she finds him just before he dies, and he tells her that Andrew is Lash.
1: Colson gets close to Rosalind to try to find out what the ATCU is up to and discovers that the ATCU is putting newly turned Inhumans into stasis pods to keep them safe while they search for a cure. Colson and Rosalind start sleeping together, and while he distracts her with a tour of the S.H.I.E.L.D. facilities, he sends a team into her outfit, and they discover that the ATCU isn't protecting Inhumans. They're turning them.
0: Colson confronts Rosalind, but she had no idea this was happening. They figure out that Gideon Malik, they figure out that Gideon Malik is doing dirty work behind the scenes, working for Hydra. Malik pulls Ward in, saying that Hydra has a leader on a distant planet that they need to get back. Ward's like, whatever, I just want to kill Colson. <laughs> Sorry, Ward. Fitz and Simmons figure out that the monolith is connected to Hydra, who was behind the NASA outfit that sent Will and his team to the alien planet.
1: While Coulson and Rosalind are having dinner, Ward shoots her in the throat from a building a block away, then calls Coulson to gloat while the writers pick up Rosalind's limp body and stuff her in a fridge. Now Coulson's on the warpath to kill Ward, and he pulls Hunter in. Meanwhile, Ward kidnaps Fitz and Simmons to force them to help Hydra get back to the planet and retrieve their leader, who also happens to be a monster who's been eating all the human sacrifices Hydra's been sending all these years.
0: When Ward tortures Simmons, Fitz agrees to go through the portal to help Malik and Ward. Just as they go through, Coulson dies from a plane and shoots through the portal behind them. On the alien planet, Fitz teams up with Will, intending to save him and leave Ward at all behind. But then he discovers that the monster killed Will and took over his body. Fitz kills Will just as Coulson kills Ward. Fitz and Coulson jump through the portal and reunite with everyone on the other side. Everything's great! <laughs> It isn't. Ward managed to get through as well, except he's not Ward. He's dead. Hooray. But not really, because we still have to keep looking at him, because he's the monster, (laughs) Hive, who has taken over Ward's body and is now on Earth.
1: Oh, yeah, and Lincoln's there. (laughs) I didn't mention Lincoln at all because nobody cares.
0: Nobody. Listen. You don't go into a room where, you know, really exciting things are happening and start telling people what the wallpaper's doing. (laughs) Nobody wants to know.
1: Fair enough. Okay, Joshua. So here we are finally. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3. I have always liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It has always kind of been my thing. I have liked it ever since Ward turned at the end of Season 1. I really enjoyed Season 2. But Season 3, Season 3, Season 3 is my thing. I love this season. So I'm just dying to know what you think so far.
0: I have prepared some remarks. Okay. (laughs) This is a massive improvement over the lackluster first season and the meandering, confused second season. Yes we do have more than one focus but the Mm -hmm. focuses are kept to a reasonable two since they were wise enough to tie the inhuman obelisk into hydra yes i Mm -hmm. really don't think they did that when they first introduced the obelisk but it's a (laughs) hell of a good move between season two and season three it's a good
1: shift yes
0: personally i like very much that we're spending so much less time with daisy Mm hmm. I'm sure Chloe Bennett is a wonderful person, and she is a fine actress, but that character started out as garbage, middled as garbage, (laughs) and might just now be pulling itself out of the dregs. Maybe, we'll see. Regardless, I'm happy the spotlight is being shared. Yes. Mm -hmm. Same goes for Ward, with whom we're still spending way too much time, but at least there are also other Hydra people for us to hear from, so that's good. Mm Mm-hmm. As discussed in the Four Color Facts, I very much approve of the way the Inhumans are being handled. May and Mockingbird teaming up is dope as shit, and I now have another <laughs> spin-off I'd like to see. I haven't named it yet, though. Yes. There are some missteps, of course. Coulson's whole affair with Rosalind is kind of terrible throughout and ends up with a fridging, so minus 100 points to <laughs> Gryffindor. Ha <laughs> ha!
1: I love Constance Zimmer, though. Constance Zimmer, the actress who plays Rosalind, is like one of my favorites. I love her.
0: It would be really nice if they would get these actors and actresses that you really like and then (laughs) give them characters that are worth a hot shit.
1: And then do something good with them. Yes. 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 Okay, but overall, Mm -hmm. big win. Yes.
0: So I think that the only lingering misgivings that I have, and honestly, this is kind of meta. This mm-hmm. is this is just me living in the world that we live in. But I think the only one that I have, the only kind of like just doubts that I have are that this show kind of feels like a throwback to like or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's back in the day when networks were starting to do superhero shows, but they were afraid to go ham on it. So you got stuff like the <laughs> latter seasons of Smallville and Heroes and Alphas and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? With the focus this season on creating a team of super spies that have superpowers, but no code names or costumes, it feels <laughs> weird in a world where I can <laughs> tune into a large slice of the DC Universe on the CW five nights at the second.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in another dra- direction you know maybe it's a I little don't retro it. It, just, but yeah. it just feels very old school yeah in the year of our lord 2020 i can understand it well you know colson has that retro feel to him i mean he loves those old analog <laughs> spy things like maybe the storytelling goes in that direction too because they just love it the old way the way it was he's done. got yeah.
0: vhs's yes. of all 10 seasons of smallville and he yes, starts at like season six and says this is it
1: <laughs> this is how we have to be yeah, I, I, I love it. I think I agree. Mostly like I, um I do like Daisy much more this point forward in the series. Um, oh, so well, I sure, enjoy her But you're her giving a lot me more.
0: a bar to trip on at that yeah, point, exactly. right? Like-
1: <laughs> yes. No, but there's actually some some good. Daisy stuff I think that, that you'll enjoy I hope anyway um, but yeah for me it's it's so much fun to come back and um, and like just enjoy these first 10 episodes I also really love the fact that we have story hops that, that this actually functions as a season of story yes. and then we come back for the second half of season 3 and that feels like another season of story which is the way that it should be 22 episodes is too much story you end up spreading what is that Tolkien thing like, uh, too little butter spread over too much bread, like that yeah. kind of thing, right? Um, so now that we, we're taking these, these narrative arcs and, you know, doing two in a season, or even in the future, there's going to be some where there's three in a season, um, yeah. where we have three of these narrative hops. Boy, um, that I,
0: sounds right, too. That's yes, about eight episodes a piece. That sounds great.
1: Perfect. This, it's, it's really, really great. And I love that move. Ever since television, you know, started going towards cable, towards these prestige stories, 13 episodes a season... Um, that was really the sweet spot for storytelling while the sweet spot mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. advertising when we had a handful of networks and we could you know <laughs> occupy and monopolize everybody's attention was you know a 22 episode season so now we have the storytelling and the economics actually finding each other mm. you know and working to weather together beautifully so that we end up with these reasonable narrative uh, you know chunks of story um, in television and so it was really neat to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. be among the first of the really, really long seasons to kind of like find that sweet spot and tell their stories that way. Veronica Mars is actually the first, ex- anybody want television history, whatever. Anyway, uh, Veronica Mars is actually the first one to do this in their third season. They did 18 episodes with uh, three six episode hops. Um, mm-hmm. And that was a really interesting experiment. A lot of people didn't like it. I actually appreciated it because 22 seasons, episodes is too long for one story. It's just too long. So I agree with you about the yeah.
0: 22 episodes. And mm-hmm. I feel like anyone who didn't like that about Veronica Mars season three should probably pay attention to the much larger problems that Veronica Mars season three has.
1: Okay. Fair enough. i just, listen, I liked uh, the structure of it. <laughs>
0: you show up for superheroes. You never know what kind of commentary you're going to get from me. <laughs>
1: Well, we'll do our Veronica Mars podcast when we're finally done with the MCU, which, of course, will never happen because this is just way too much material to get through. Um, one of the things that I found most interesting, I think I, when I was thinking about like this, this particular hop of, of narrative in season three, um, that it seems like the thing we come back to, especially because Ward, Ward has this, I don't know, obsession with I need closure you know, this kind of thing. But it's not closure. It's vengeance, right? You know? Yeah. And so when when we talk about that, like because Ward needed closure over what happened with What's-Her-Name-From-Last-Season who I don't even remember and I don't even care. I didn't even care enough to look it up. That's how much I don't care. Um,
0: Lonnie, I forgot that that was what he was mad about until I saw it in the script.
1: <laughs> I forgot. Like, I forgot
0: that there was a specific thing he was angry about. It was about. the
1: fake May that he was apparently... Right. apparently apparently... apparently was the love of his life but i'm not sure he ever even mentions her by name he just is like when the woman you love dies in your arms i'm like you've never loved anyone ward shut up
0: they may be doing it by accident but that is the most in-character ward thing i've ever heard like i when a woman you love dies in your arms what was her name again uh
1: shit she looked like may most of the time i don't know May-ish. i don't remember mayface so may. her name was mayface, mayface. her oh. name was mayface and he loved her joshua he loved her um anyway yes yeah, so he loved mayface and because like Colson got Mayface killed. He wants this closure. Um, and so, because of that, he kills Roslyn. And because he kills Roslyn, Colson now, of course, wants to get vengeance. And because Colson wouldn't leave Ward there dying on this other planet, because he had to kill him, he gave Hive a dead body to hop into, right? So, all of this stuff, what happens, what we're setting up with Ward as Hive, you know, for the next hop of this season. Um, is basically all about there are always consequences for vengeance vengeance is never a good thing so I don't know that I would necessarily say that this is a conscious theme that they're going for because they are talking mm-hmm. about so much. We're talking about the Inhumans. I love this, you know, to fight for a world that fears and hates us. That whole thing is interesting. We've got all this stuff going on, which we're going to get to about who exactly are the good guys here because I don't really know. Um, <laughs> you know what are what are the what are the right choices and how you deal with people who are suddenly superpowered, who uh, m- most of whom probably a didn't ask for your help you know but also are struggling when we open up at the season with joey you know who is melting metal and has no idea what the hell's going on it feels like a rescue you know but Mm -hmm. i'm sure that not all of these superpowered people are feeling that way so we're going to have that discussion in just a little bit we
0: saw a guy right the guy Mm who who is basically uh, like his head wants to split open with pain every time he's near another inhuman i mean there's another guy who's like. I don't know how you rescue me, but go ahead and come and rescue me. But they didn't find him because he's not out causing problems. Right, right. There's a lot of questions about not just uh, like the people that you save and how they feel about that, but also your approach. Right. Like, uh, how do yeah. you find the subtle people?
1: Well, you know, there's something about enthusiastic consent that I feel like is a discussion that we need to have here um, in this particular instance. But yeah, but back to, yeah. Before, before we get into the the really, really murky moral place <laughs> that, we're, that yes. we're living in season three. Um, this idea of consequences for vengeance. I'm not sure that they intended that to be a message, but I feel like that comes across pretty clearly. I
0: really appreciate that as a motif for a show set in a superhero universe, even if the people we're watching are not themselves superheroes, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like a a rule for the universe you know Mm -hmm. like like it's just uh we don't talk about why it's just how it is vengeance is bad villains Mm -hmm. are ones who come back hell-bent on vengeance when our heroes get hurt to the point that they want to come back for vengeance it's not going to work out
1: it's not going to be good that i Mm -hmm. like
0: all of that very much even as you say if they're doing it by accident or not thinking about it because they're part of the mcu when vengeance is sought in the films we see Mm -hmm. that that's Also bad there. Like it's a it's a running theme throughout the entire universe. It's a good choice.
1: Yeah, yeah, that were uh, that were really not co-signing that, and I think that the, when I got the sense that this was something they may have been consciously doing, mm-hmm, although they were doing mm-hmm. it, they were playing, painting it with a light brush, is when Coulson and Fitz get off the um, the little pod, right? They come out and they're hugging everybody at the end after having gone to the the planet. Fitz is hugging Simmons, Coulson's hugging May, and they both look at each other, and there is darkness in their eyes. There is like Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. shit was bad, right? Um, and Coulson, having gotten his vengeance, I feel like immediately knows. You know, I don't think they know that Hive escaped. You know, via Ward. No, uh, but no, But no, I think no, that yeah. I think that they know that like it wasn't okay. That like what happened on that planet was not okay. Um, and so I actually kind of like I like that moment where you see that in both of their faces that like mm-hmm. they're glad to be back with their people, but we're not okay. And um and I think that that's a really nice note to kind of end that story on. Although we actually end it on the coda with you know Ward as Hive. You know. Hijacking Gideon Alex ride, but um, but I mean the end for our agents is that moment.
0: And we've established this with agents before that that last thing is never about the episode you just watched. Exactly, like it's, it's always about the next episode. It's so, always yeah. about the
1: next thing. Yeah, and that's that's part of what they do. So I mean that's fine, and it's teasing not just the next episode but the next run of episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay, let's go ahead into our moral universe, right? Our, our moral <laughs> cinematic universe here. Um, we have a handful uh, of bad... I'm going to
0: peel the curtain back yes. for just a second for our <laughs> listeners. We have a list of bad guys. And then, in case you all weren't aware, that I work with a romance author. The rest of our notes are organized by who is smooching who, for the most part.
1: <laughs> look those are the deeply intimate human stories <laughs> right yeah except yeah. for
0: the one that's marked in humans and lash everything else is like who's smooching who <laughs>
1: We'll get to that. I'm talking about morality right now. <laughs> I
0: know. I just, I just, lo- I, I didn't I want to miss that I in the transition. Love those, it's no, fantastic. Thank you,
1: thank you very much. Uh, no, because those are the, I'm like interested. Those and honestly, what it says is a lot about what I'm interested in yeah. in these stories. Is that I love these relationship stories. Now, all of the relationships happen to be, first of all, extremely heteronormative, like shockingly heteronormative, um, true, and true. and they're all like romantic relationships, but. I I love a love story. It does not have to be romantic. It's just the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is hooking up. This is the season where they're just hooking everybody up. It's just a house. Endless hookups, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. But before we get there, let's talk about our moral cinematic universe. Let's talk about our bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we talk about your favorite bad guy and mine, Ward?
0: (laughs) Okay. It's. uh, I mean, I didn't like him when he was a good guy. I don't like. I like him better as a bad guy. He makes more sense as a bad guy.
1: As a bad guy, yeah.
0: But I'm also like, oh great, your big, your big plan, Ward. You clever little (laughs) bastard, you is to put Hydra back together, except that what we find out is he doesn't actually have to rebuild Hydra. Yeah. He just has to go and find all the little bits around and like shake them in a box. (laughs) It just, I don't don't care about Ward. I really Mm -hmm. don't. And the sooner that he, if we're gonna fight Hydra forever, the sooner that Ward can stop being the face of Hydra, the better off I will be. Don't tell me if that never happens. I just will find out in my
1: nightmares. You'll find out as we move forward. I'm not that worried about it. But uh, yeah, Ward, I mean, here's the thing. Part of it, I, I hated Ward in the beginning when I watched season one. Then he turned bad and I was like, all right, I enjoy him a little bit more now. Um, and basically that has been my my situation with Ward since about that time. Now, in season three, Ward is, he's not, he's not good he is bad, but he is more cartoon than either one of those things. He is yeah. he is very like like dramatically uh, he's a drama queen. I mean he's basically a a bad guy drama queen. And I do kind of appreciate that. Like I, I enjoy Brett Dalton, the actor so much i've seen enough stuff from behind the scenes things um that i've i've learned what an adorable human brett dalton is like some of my extra textual affection for brett dalton the actor definitely seeps into my read of ward i think that your read of ward absolutely dead on i think that he is (laughs) he's kind of terrible but i i still enjoy him i still i i love seeing brett dalton just like you know chew the scenery with this ridiculous stuff it's just kind of fun you're staring at me okay i mean no it's fine
0: it's fine listen i've said my piece i have uh i have elaborated on my extremely scant note here where i just say i am a human eye roll emoji i have been more mature than that
1: and uh
0: and i and i get it you're not wrong like he's better as a bad guy and and there is I don't know. There's a certain amount of scenery chewing that's going on. But and if it's not too soon to to move on, I want to kind of compare him to Gideon Malick
1: here. Oh, no, let's absolutely. I was just I was just about to try to find a a segue. So, yes, no, he definitely I would say the Powers Booth as Gideon Malick does a lot of scenery chewing.
0: (laughs) And when they're in and that's the thing, when you say it like that and I'm like, yeah, until he's standing next to somebody that they actually care about writing stuff for.
1: Because as soon as
0: they're in the same room, I am like, I barely ever rooted for you, Ward, but I'm definitely rooting for this other guy right now.
1: (laughs) All right. So what'd you think of Gideon Malick?
0: He's doing proper villainy.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I like him a lot. He feels, well, first of all, great pull from Avengers, right? Uh The bastard who was prepared to nuke Manhattan yeah. Yes. Yes. Friends. He's not just your average elected official. He's also Hydra, which right. does let us off the hook a little bit. Like, oh, good. The guy who was Hydra was the one who was going to nuke Manhattan.
1: Whew. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So we saw him on the World Council. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Powers Booth is amazing. He's just really like menacing. And I actually believe yeah. him when he's like, mm-hmm. I need you, Ward. I need you to come along. I need you to be a leader. I'm like, yeah, this is the father figure
1: that Ward needed.
0: That was a really bad Powers Booth, but it is what it no, is. No, I loved
1: right? it. I thought it was fabulous. So
0: yeah, uh, i I really like Gideon Malik. I think I'd rather see him in charge of Hydro instead of Ward. I'm not going to do that anymore. And you all need to be happy that you don't live with me and have to go out in public with me wearing a mask where I only speak as Bane from Dark Knight Rises. Because it's also (laughs) a really bad impression. But I do it anyway. Uh, But yeah, so big fan of him. Lonnie, I feel like you also like that guy
1: some. I do, I do. I actually really do. I enjoy Gideon Malik. I think that he is... He's full-on menacing evil with no... I mean... (laughs) I like I like a villain that has um, that has some nuance to them that maybe uh, sees themselves as doing ultimate good. Like I really enjoy somebody who is is kind of torn between the moral Mm -hmm. poles, you know, Um, has that internal conflict. But in lieu of that. When there is no internal conflict when it is just i am here to french kiss evil all day long like that is it then i like it in a gideon malik type of form that like here's yes. this guy and especially especially there is no one better to play ultimate like uncompromising uncomplicated no internal conflict evil than an old white dude like that is like the best representation of that kind yeah. of evil and i think that it works really well with powers booth i like powers booth as an actor um i think that he's mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. really fun i like his he, he has this sense of commitment like there are some actors who can just come in and they can throw off the you know the the lines they do their job they go home and it's fine like you get a sense of commitment from powers booth as gideon malik like he is there to play the shit out of what he's given and i actually really like it i like the fact that like you know when rosalind figures it out you can see it you know dawning on her she's like oh my god gideon malik is evil and in that moment i'm like i didn't know we were playing rosalind as stupid because of course gideon malik is evil look at him
0: Well, now hold on, because Uh I agree with that, that he's pretty uncompromising evil, even if you want to like give largesse to him like as a cult member, right? Like he's bought into Mm -hmm. the cult of Hydra, even if you want to say, okay, he, you know, and it's still pretty bad. Um, But the way that Powers Booth plays him, he's so like magnetic, like he just has a lot of charisma. He's got a
1: lot of charm, yeah. And if you
0: imagine that a guy with like that level of gravitas and charisma and money showed up Mm -hmm. and was like, "Hey NASA, NASA, would you like me to bail you out?
1: Uh, I've got a little project I'd like to
0: do on the side." See,
1: gravitas, charisma, and money are three reasons why I would absolutely not trust that dude. (laughs) Well,
0: you say that because you're not literally under the sunspot that is his charisma, where you're just like, "That (laughs) guy's amazing." I hope
1: Gideon Malik, yes.
0: I hope he tells me that he wants me to be a leader. I hope he tells me he's gonna be my new dad. (laughs) I don't want a dad from Hydra, but if I have to have a new dad from Hydra, can it 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 be be Kenny Malik? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: All right, so we're, we're pro Gideon Malik. He's, he's doing pretty well. Um, we've just seen the very beginnings of Hive, and I think that this is probably mostly a discussion that we're going to save for the next run, you know, the next episode yeah, where we talk about I don't about even the think they said Hive of season three. No, I think I've spoiled it. Because, well, because I talked no, to you okay. about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's well, how Because I, because yeah. I
0: was worried. I was worried right. about like, mm-hmm. what four color facts am I going to have? And you're like, they've got a villain. And you, and I was like, which villain? And you go, I don't know if I should say. And, I, and then you go, he's a Hydra guy. And I think it was my, I think the Hydra guy who was made out of radioactive bees was my third guess. <laughs> I think. Yes. And so, and then I was, So I'm really excited about that because that is crazy town. I cannot
1: wait. I have deliberately not looked it up. But
0: they really, like, he's barely here.
1: Right. Yeah, no, true. But I've deliberately not looked up Hive because I am waiting for your four color facts. I'm going to have a bottle of wine and I'm going to sit down. We're going to record. It's going to be wonderful.
0: I got to be honest. I may have blown my wad with made of radioactive bees. I mean... (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) So I'm intrigued by Hive, Uh but he's really he's more like a like a looming presence, you know, Mm -hmm. than an actual villain in this. Um, And I'm actually kind of curious how human eating monster who's apparently not made out of radioactive bees. I don't know.
1: Right. Well, uh, Uh, how does that work? Well, because at the end. We see what looks like a snake coming out of Will's charred body, right? Out of his mouth. Yeah. It looks kind of snake-like. It's not like bees, yet he's called Hive. It's going to be really interesting. I am very, very much looking forward to the back half of this season. <laughs> My really eyes are peeled. I'm, I'm yeah. excited
0: to discover, but, but I, I don't I really can't have wait feelings about him yet. Like, yeah, as a bad Yeah, guy. there's not
1: really much. There's not much to know. We've only seen very, very little of him in these episodes. Um, okay, so here we are at the uh, bad guy interstitial section of shield and atcu uh which is worse here um i don't know the way that their uh, shield is going in grabbing the inhumans putting them in a box terrifying them kidnapping them from their homes and their families telling them they can never see their family and friends again um and then and then recruiting them into shield if at all possible after taking away everything like let me take away your entire life and then i'd like to give you this supposed option of working for us right i mean it ain't great
0: okay i actually want i we have so much to talk about in that area but Mm -hmm. i actually want to take a step back from there even Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i just want to reckon with the fact that shield is a rogue organization (laughs) with no nation state or intergovernmental organization to answer to they're terrorists Uh uh-huh they are they I mean, are terrorists
1: i mean they got yeah i mean and they do whatever they want they do whatever they want and i'm super uncomfortable with it honestly colson decides that he's his girlfriend got killed and so he's gonna go on some rogue mission and do like like i mean i mean right like it's highly questionable
0: Perhaps there should be some, you know, i mean, just going to trot out some eighth grade civics, some checks and balances in place, Perhaps. you know. Now, there, look, there clearly the be, World yeah. Council was a mistake. Clearly right. that was a mistake. Yes. Clearly Shield, let's be honest, clearly Shield was a mistake. Uh. So we're actually <laughs> trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear here at this point. This and, is true. Uh, And I'm yeah. not sure how they're doing. I'm very concerned just about that fact. Like every time I'm looking at it, I'm like, Where's the money coming from? Is there accountability? What happens?
1: Right. What happens well, when things? Anyway, Coulson is director of Shield, right?
0: Sure. But, he, uh, but it is, is, why? Because he said so. Because
1: there's no oversight. Well, I mean, yeah, like he, apparently, but like Shield is not just this little group here. But like Shield is like a you know it's like a worldwide. They've got some, like places all. He's got to manage like a team of like, he's got to manage like hundreds of employees and and all of these locations and everything that's going on. So I can understand if Phil Coulson was the leader of this particular elite team within S.H.I.E.L.D. But him being director of all of S.H.I.E.L.D., like that is an administrative desk job. That is the kind of thing that you start at 8 in the morning and you end at 5 in the afternoon. Maybe a little bit extra time because, (laughs) you know, it's a spy. It's a spy organization, so there's some off hour stuff. But him being an active part of the team going out on missions when he decides that he wants to also the idea that as director of shield he can just go off on a wild tear because his girlfriend got shot like it's it's all a little like if you think about it now this coming from me i love colson like i love colson I question his methods, but I love Colson because Clark Gregg delights me and I can't help it. Right? I have trouble separating the actor from the, the part that they play clearly. Um, so I mean, like I enjoy all of it when I don't think critically about it, but when I start thinking critically about it, I'm like, no, this isn't good. And so here we have on the other side, the ATCU, right? Which is branded as they are kidnapping all of these inhumans. Oh, are they really? Oh, are they really? Perhaps you'd like to take your stones in your glass house and get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. what is the ATCU, what they're doing? I don't see that as being, I I still see it as a violation of basic civil rights from people who are still human. You know, I mean, they've got certain like superpowers yeah. now. But the thing is that like, I, I feel, and maybe, maybe this is, but like, I feel like at least Roslyn is like at peace with what she's doing like she's like I know I know this isn't great like she's not being morally superior about it she's like I know this isn't great but when you all you have are shitty options then you pick one and you go with one of your shitty options her argument that we do this until there's a way to find a cure um, and you know and then they they have like the her husband with cancer backstory and like you can you can sympathize with the approach that she's taking regardless I think that I don't want, I don't think that one of them is morally superior to the other. Am I missing something?
0: Uh, No, I don't think so. But I'm going to be honest. I hadn't, I honestly hadn't thought really hard about it because, because mm-hmm. once I realized that it bothered me so much that S.H.I.E.L.D. is just rogue doing whatever it wants, I stopped trying, yeah. I like tried really hard to not think Stop about it. Stop thinking about, about was the just moral like,
1: questions. <laughs>
0: Shield is good guys, ACTU is bad guys. Got it. I mean, Got I just it. went with it. I just went with it.
1: <laughs> See, I'm still wasting my time rejecting the premise.
0: <laughs> no, I listen, I was trying to do right by you and oh. be like, "Damn it, this is actually entertaining. Stop worrying about the <laughs> fact that this is completely illegal and shocking." <laughs> and I do. I yeah. do actually think that Shield's approach is better Mm -hmm. um it just looks really messy because like in the one example we're given which we are expected to kind of extrapolate out yeah they're also stopping kind of a natural disaster while also trying to help this guy Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of therapy involved and like the whole you can never go home again thing is what the fuck like that smells like that whole thing i went on about uh Ultimate Spider-Man being like, at 18, you're Shields. You are owned by the U.S. government. Like, that's bad. Don't do that.
1: Yeah. And then I feel
0: like whatever whatever high ground the ATCU was trying to have, and again, maybe this is decades of X-Men comics, but as soon as she said, and we'll find a Mm -hmm. cure, I was like, excuse me, you will not cure me of my identity, (laughs) you know? This is who I am. It's a part of me.
1: Right, right. But you I know. liked I liked the moment though where Daisy said, You're just afraid of us, and Rosalind said, Fuck yeah, I am. <laughs> you right, know? And yeah. I respected that. I respected that she was like, Yes, of course we're afraid of you. For every yeah. one of you that's decent and good and wants to do good things, there's somebody with incredible powers who wants to go and burn the hearts out of people. You know, so like I get it. I actually liked Rosalind. <laughs>
0: okay. I I think I didn't dislike her as much as I was very unsure what the show wanted me to do with her.
1: Right. Because I guess yeah. Yeah, this
0: is our trans. This is our transition into Rosalind and Coulson. There we go. Because we're talking smoochy face now. <laughs> because their relationship is bad, uh-huh. right? Like it's bad. When you were first watching this the first time, oh,
1: the relationship is absolutely bad.
0: Right, and and it's the relationship and how it develops.
1: No, she's evil. And then suddenly they're sleeping together, right? They're sleeping together for like a minute and a half, and then she dies, and she's his one true love, and he's got to avenge her death. You know, it's so bad,
0: God. That yes, that's the just the fridging of
1: Rosalind is offensive.
0: But the yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. especially because there's like no earning it because they go from this like kind of rival agency. Mm -hmm. Should we trust each other? Should we not? This little dance, yeah, and that dance just becomes foreplay with no warning to the point where I was like, wait, when the fuck did this become foreplay? Like I was whiplash.
1: And then that scene where he's invading the ATCU with his team, and then he puts her in the little apartment that they have for the newly inhuman. And she's just like, Well, what the hell is going on? And he's like, No, you were terrible, and you've done all, and this is the thing that they're doing, and you didn't tell me, so you can tell me now because I'm. And he's just being a complete dick. And she's staring at him like, I don't even know what the hell's going on here. All of it (laughs) is ridiculous. And they're both like, It's, and she's like, I thought you had a heart. And you don't. I'm like, you've known him for 35 seconds. And yes, you've had sex with him. So there is that. But like, there is there is no, my heart is so deeply betrayed by you who I've known for a day and a half and have trusted for four <laughs> hours. Like, none of that makes any And And they play it off like this big, dramatic moment. And the whole time I'm like, this is not, I am not buying these peaches. You know, it's just not working.
0: Yes the relationship doesn't work i say that like mm-hmm. as kind of preamble to why rosalind never really worked for me because i was like when she was uh when they were in contention i was like aha she right. is something mm-hmm. of a villain or at least an antagonist okay yeah, very good yeah and then the shift happens so fast that i'm like wait i yeah. still don't like you i still like, don't you trust didn't... her yeah yeah you did oh and that's another thing let's talk about trust now yeah. i have read far too many espionage novels <sighs> and real accounts of espionage in mm-hmm. my life. I recognize mm-hmm. this and this is a spy fi show. I try and put these things into my back pocket. But these are the directors of two I would say rival agencies if one of them was not a yeah. rogue state unto <laughs> <Right>. themselves. <laughs> but let's go with rival agencies. Uh And they just keep having conversations and then they Mm -hmm. smooch and then they meet at the apartment and they're having dinner and burgers. And are we just, and the OPSEC is so bad to make a grown man weep. What the (laughs) fuck? Who is, Ah! and these are your directors. Right. these are your directors it's like yeah what's the what what are they doing in accounting like they're walking out with top secret shit stuck to their heel like toilet paper like there's no opsec in either one of these organizations the fish rots from the head right <laughs> so rosalind doesn't work for me much because rosalind and colson don't work for me
1: i don't know i I like her as a character. I like Constance Zimmer. I'm beginning to realize that if I like an actor, then that ends up buying the character a lot, a lot of grace with me. Um, but I, I I do, I like when they have her, I like actually when she's not with Colson. I like when she's talking to Daisy. Yeah. I like when she's, I love the fact that Banks is her best friend. <laughs> He's like, you told Banks about us? She's like, I tell Banks everything. And I'm like, Banks is her BFF and I kind of dig that relationship. I was actually more invested in her and Banks, that I wasn't her and Coulson.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you know why? Do you know why? I'll tell you why. Because she's Girl Fury and Uh Banks is her Coulson.
1: Right. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I love that. So I was disappointed also by the the fridging of Rosalind. So that is the, for those of you unfamiliar with the term, that is the killing of a female character to inspire and motivate a male character's storyline. Um... I, I had no patience for that. I, I, that it's so bad. Crazy. Yeah, I hated it's that. so bad. Mm-hmm.
0: If this show had the guts, had, and this will make you sad, yes. but if they'd had the guts, can you imagine the fucking swerve if they'd shot Coulson and now Rosalind <laughs> had to be director of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Like, I'm not saying oh that's a good choice, but it's God. interesting. Right? It is I'm not saying that's the way they should have yeah. gone. But it's interesting. It's no. a lot more interesting Fridging than I am Fridging of either gender angry. is
1: not g- Right. But if you gender flip the fridge, suddenly it becomes clear, like what it is, you know? Yeah, yes. and we've just seen so much of it in in the terms of killing a woman to motivate a man, and to you know motivate a man's story, that it gets real freaking old after a while. That said, having like a character that dies and that being a huge motivational force for another character is you know part of storytelling. The problem is that we do this so much with a woman and a man, where we kill the woman. The woman is nothing in a care in character wise except except a motivation for the man. We've known Rosalind for thirty five minutes. We don't. Give a fuck about Rosalind? You know this is not and a that's big the key. moment. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that is the key to the fridging because yes. the the term fridging has expanded a little bit, which is fine. Like yes. language is a moving target, but mm-hmm. originally the a real integral part to it was not just I killed a female character to motivate my male character to mm-hmm. be angry and do stuff, but it was also a female character that I, as the creator, introduced. only Only for that only to kill
1: yes exactly that's
0: a hundred percent Rosalind. like she does Mm -hmm. stuff she does stuff in the in the interim but make no mistake once you see her get shot through the throat you're like oh they wrote backwards from here
1: they absolutely did they absolutely did that was her whole purpose from the beginning she just shows up if she'd been around for a few seasons and this whole Mm -hmm. romance had been a slow burn and then they finally get together and then they kill her that's classic whedon that's a Whedon thing. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, but killing a woman as well. like, But a woman that we don't even know, that we don't even care, that the only reason she's there is to die so that she can motivate that story. That's kind of shitty. Um, all right. So let's go ahead. I'm just going to go through all of my romantic couples. Then we'll come back to Inhumans sure. and Lash because I've got yeah. I've got the feels. We got to talk about the smoochies. I got deep, deep Fitz feels. I got to tell you. Um, <laughs> the moment, like I liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Clearly like all the way when I got into season three, I watched it as it came out. I was excited for it. I wanted to see what's going to happen. The moment that Fitz is in Morocco and he's got this and he's like, if you want to shoot me, shoot me. But then you're just sitting there with a booster seat. Oh, my God. Badass Fitz being chased by men with guns and facing down men with guns. Fitz, Fitz as a badass. I loved it. So much stealing the cab, like all of the things that happen in that one scene in Morocco is like everything that I ever wanted for Fitz. I loved it. And I don't know how you reacted to the whole Fitz thing, but I just loved it.
0: Well, I love that scene mm-hmm. very much. I'm so with you. Yes. I loved that that version of mm-hmm. Fitz, and I was re- I really bought into the motivation and that he literally has nothing to lose without mm-hmm. Gemma, and yeah. I bought into all of that. That scene is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I feel like it's a bit of a peak, and he <laughs> spends the rest of the time in quite a a trough. You know, <laughs> and and I think that's fine, really, because once Gemma comes back, clearly she is the focus mm-hmm. of, that, of that subplot, right? Because right. she's the mm-hmm. one who went to the other planet and, and has apparently another love interest, the fuck ever. And um, <laughs> I, that, I, listen, I'm being dismissive, but I actually love it because this uh-huh. is the most soap opera bullshit. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, I was kidnapped I accidentally it. to another planet. Where I just happened to meet a very handsome astronaut and now I want to have all of his babies only, on one, the deserted there's planet.
1: There's one person on the planet. One person on the deserted planet just happens to be like this hot NASA astronaut. Right. That is a romance novel just waiting to happen. <laughs> it's awesome. And then we come back and there's this kick-ass love triangle. I love All of it. I love every scene with Fitz and Simmons. I love the whole thing. I buy all of it. I am completely hook, line, and sinker in Fitz Simmons. I love this whole thing. I am not arguing any of your points.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I'm not even, I'm not even like nagging on it, right? Like, it's just that like, as soon as Simmons gets back, Fitz fades into the background, which is, as I say, it's appropriate. It's appropriate.
1: He doesn't. You know what I love? I love this moment when she says... I met this man there, he's stranded, and Fitz is like, we're going to get him back. I... Love that whole thing. I love oh, that no, they no. didn't do the jealous, I'm gonna try to undermine him. When Hunter comes in like a weasley piece of shit and says, You're yes. actually gonna save this guy, and then Fitz is like, Yeah, I'm gonna save this guy, you know. Um, <laughs> that he he because this guy saved Gemma, you know. I mean everything. Like I love yeah. that from Fitz. I love the fact that we don't knee jerk to this stupid bullshit love triangle conflict that and no, the, no, even in no. the moment, 100%, yeah. 100%. Oh god, I love I love that. I think that's another incredible moment for Fitz in this season.
0: No, no, no. It is. It's very good for Fitz, the character. Yeah. It is not very good for Fitz's spotlight.
1: Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yes. Right. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. Like, we have
0: this amazing opening scene with Fitz. Oh. And then, and I mean, now look, and and, and th- there's actually some interesting writer discourse going on on Twitter as we record this about like. Yes. That maybe it's a little unhealthy that we're talking about. Like, that's it. Only write about conflict. Only conflict, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm listening, but I'm yeah. also like, yeah, but I want to care. And Fitz is a good example. Yes. This is the mm-hmm. right choice for this character. It is the right mm-hmm. choice for him to be like a good person, you know? Okay, And, mm-hmm. and I love all that. Like, that's good stuff. Yes. But it does not do wonders for his spotlight time.
1: No, it's def- like when you open with him like that, like that is Fitz right. dialed to 11. And then we get Fitz at like five and six, you know, but I mean, I do. I love I love all A of it. Generous I love five. all of it. I love. Right. I love when he goes to the planet and he's trying to save Will and then he discovers that Will is this monster thing. And then he shoots him and then he and Coulson go back through. I I love All of it. I think out of all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so far, this pod, as far as Fitz and Simmons go, may be my favorite run. Like, I just, I adore this whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's hard. That's hard to argue with. I I like them a lot. I still, honestly, look. I know that they're just going to keep trying to make fetch happen, and I am mostly lying (laughs) back and thinking of England. But I just do not buy them romantically. And actually, I I think they're a lot better as BFF. I, you know, so clearly I I am losing the fight.
1: I know. Well, yeah, it's 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 gone. Like Fitz and Simmons are a thing, but I mean, I but I love those. I love those like close friends to romance. You know, stories. So I think that we have way too few stories where we have two people who would be sexually attracted to each other's gender, regardless of what those genders are. Um, And then we don't force them into a romantic relationship in our stories where we just allow two people who are attracted to the genders of the other um, to just be really solid, good friends. Because that happens all Mm -hmm. the time. Sex, however, is an obsession culturally for us. And if there is ever an opportunity where two people would be attracted to the other, the genders, you know, the the genders of the two people, if that matches up with who they're attracted to, um, that we have to have them have sex. Like we cannot, you know, the only time we have like a man and a woman as best friends is if one of them is gay, then we can have it. You know, because they wouldn't be attracted to it. And it's fine. Exactly. But um, so I think that we do have far too few of those. But I also at the same time love the best friends falling in love story. Um, That is something that I've got a real soft spot for. And seeing it in Fitz and Simmons, I I wanted them together from the beginning. I do tend to ship. I tend to overship. I tend to see <laughs> couples that I like and be like, "Oh, I ship it." Um, but, uh, but yeah, these these two, I was absolutely in on it. So, like, I understand your point, and I think that you're right. But in this specific situation, I love it.
0: And this train is. I guess it's sort of constantly in the process of leaving the station, but I know I know that my time here is done. This may this is likely I'm going to see. But this is probably the last time that I bring that up, because uh, in this case, fetch will, in fact, happen. So it's fine.
1: But I get it. Like, I get where you're coming from. Absolutely. Um, okay, here's another couple I don't care about is May and Andrew. Um, I, yeah, keep moving. I have never. I don't. Okay, do we not even really need to talk about that? I mean. No, no, I'm yeah. joking. I'm joking. Yeah. They're
0: not interesting. I don't care. Like, I, Andrew's kind of interesting off doing his own stuff as yeah. Lash. Um, May is spectacularly I interesting no matter what May. she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in a way, the did may leave because of Andrew thing is kind of interesting, but
1: yeah, it's not,
0: it's not enough. I don't really care. I don't really it's care. It's not
1: enough. It's I, it's really not. Um, and the thing is that I do like both of them separately, but I don't feel, first of all, I don't feel like they have any chemistry together. Like there's nothing Not when lot. I see these two yeah. as a couple, I don't think, wow, you know, I'm just like, well, that's a bologna sandwich. You know, whatever. It's it's nothing exciting. <laughs> there's nothing that interesting about it. Um, they don't have tremendous personal chemistry. Um, so it's it's really interesting because I actually do like both characters. I just don't feel I love the moment where May shoots him. You know, and how did you know that it wouldn't kill him? And she goes, I didn't. And like her, her part of that, I'm like, I'm in. I'm completely invested in May's experience of that. But the relationship with May and Andrew, I just don't care about. Um, So I don't know. It feels like, it feels to me like May and Andrew, of course, we had established that they were together, you know, when she went to Bahrain, when all of that stuff happened. Um, And that's why they split up because she had all that trauma and she couldn't take him with her into the dark places that she was going. And you know, fine. But I've never really felt like there was this big deep love lost between them or that there was any real chemistry between them. So I've never like felt that relationship, you know. So in the end, I really like May's part of it. I like May's sacrifice, uh, May's, you know, feelings about Andrew, like I'm interested in it, but I don't really care. I don't know. It's weird.
0: Yeah. I I guess I mostly care in terms of May. Yes. Except May's whole deal is that she is super fucking chill. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're not going to get. That from her, right. unless and until we get a line like, I didn't know it wouldn't kill him. Right? Like, we're just oh, going to get these glimpses. Mm-hmm. And since I only care about her half of the thing, and all I'm yeah. going to get there is like through <laughs> a mirror darkly, you know, Yes, I'm kind of like, keep, keep, especially because Andrew is Lash and, you know, that's very yeah. convenient, but I don't give a shit because soap operas are amazing and just cruise past it. So yeah, I don't, I don't,
1: I don't care. I actually
0: think. I, you know what? I'm just gonna be honest. It is a running theme. I don't give a shit about any of these romantic pairings in this <laughs> show. I don't think most of them are very good and I don't like them. And I'm and to help us transition, yes. I actually think May and Bobby I was, gonna more I was just going to say interesting I was just
1: going to say that I loved May and Bobby. I love them breaking into the They had incredible chemistry when they're breaking into the oh bank and May's tr- or Bobby's trying to play it safe and May is like what the hell are you doing? And then May just starts beating the hell out of everybody in that dress. It was fantastic. I actually really really like that. Man. And I like I like Bobby. You know, and here's the thing. I am the only person, I think, in the known universe who likes Lance Hunter. And it may be because he's British. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I like him and no, and literally nobody, I don't know anyone else who likes him, who enjoys him. But I do. <laughs> I think he's funny. I, I think he's Fine. I don't see him. I don't see the chemistry again, like with him and Bobby. That relationship, I don't buy. But... But I like him, even though he's terrible. Like, when he tells Fitz that he shouldn't go and and rescue Will, he's such a piece of shit. But I still like him. (laughs) I can't help it. I like Hunter a lot as Hunter. Okay. Right? Uh Uh-huh.
0: Separate from any of his uh, like interpersonal entanglements, yes. I really like. Um, I believe in the notes here. I refer to him as the reckless and seventy-five percent competent hitter. <laughs> right, that's his job, right. and he nails it. Yes. It's great. Like mm-hmm. nobody, nobody sends Hunter to pick up the coffee order because oh. it would just. He would just be like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I can't do a British accent, and I'm not, and I've already done my bad powers booth." But this guy would come back, and he's like, "I don't know. They're all small and." they're all black you guys figure exactly. it out like you can't <laughs> he's not detail oriented <laughs> right. which is bad for a spy
1: right
0: but if it's yeah. like um who do i have here that i would like to send on a probably suicide mission <laughs> to get ward <laughs>
1: oh fuck hunter's <laughs> perfect
0: <laughs> so i actually enjoy hunter as hunter yeah. i do not mm-hmm. buy bobby and hunter at all i unless don't either really they're doing the bit yeah. from the second season where mm-hmm. Hunter is constantly low key threatened by the fact that Bobby is better at everything than he is. That is the only <laughs> time I find them entertaining. <laughs> that's
1: it <laughs> yeah yeah no it's not it's not great um okay i don't even care about daisy and lincoln i didn't even mention lincoln in the i wrote the whole summary for all of the episodes that we did at the top of the show and i realized as i finished it that i didn't mention lincoln and i could not be arsed to go back and put lincoln in because i did not care
0: okay I don't really care about Daisy.
1: I super don't care about Lincoln.
0: And together, they are like a singularity of me not caring. It's like when they're on screen together, it sounds in my house like yeah. jello being sucked through a giant straw. And that is my interest being sucked through their singularity and into another reality. Like I am negative interested in them like I black out and come (laughs) back and I'm like oh shit the Daisy and Lincoln episode must be over the
1: only time in this whole run that I cared at all about Lincoln or enjoyed him at all was when May wanted him to sit in with her on the run when they were in the the, the thing and he was was sure she was gonna kill him Um, and then she ends up saying well I need to apologize to you because Andrew tried to like it was you know but God I love how she doesn't say a fucking word to him and he Is just messing his shorts the whole time.
0: (laughs) Of course, he is. He's like, this is an assassination
1: that's about to happen. (laughs) And everybody else is like, you'll be fine.
0: may almost yeah. never kills her partners. almost never
1: almost never God. yes it's no. very
0: rare it's very rare
1: yeah so i don't care about daisy and lincoln um all right so let's uh, that's all of our i think romantic pairings that are like the big okay. you know focus i just want to point out yes i don't care about 99
0: percent <laughs> of the romantic pairings on this show and the one that i do care about i don't think is a good idea <laughs> and yet you only disagree with me. This is so beautiful because you set it up like this because yes. you wanted to talk about these smooching pairs yeah. of people and yeah. the only one that you actually like is Fitzsimmons and that is fantastic. It just cracks me up. It just makes me <laughs> laugh. I thought I was going to get a bunch of pushback. It's
1: very true. No, no, I'm with you. Like I'm with you on all of it. I just don't care. I But I like... Um I just like the characters. Like I don't necessarily yeah, care for the yeah. pairings, but I do like the characters a lot. I do enjoy the characters a lot. But as I write this whole thing, I realize that so many... like All of these characters, it's like all these romantic... It is soap opera spy games. It's just... It's constantly that. And maybe that's why I like it so much. Um, but we still have some other things to talk about. Uh, we have the Inhumans. <laughs> we have Lash, sure. Lash killing yes. all of the Inhumans. I actually... Like that idea. I like the idea that some of these inhumans are are given a superpower that makes them completely in tune with each other. Like the guy who gets the mm-hmm. headache, right, and can't gets right. a migraine when he's around. Um, when he's around inhumans, I think that that's kind of an interesting idea. Um, I like the fact that it he turns from like you know man to monster and back and forth again. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really interesting. I like the fact that it's one of our own, right? I mean, kind of one of our yeah. own. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, our yeah. Our yeah. own adjacent. Our own adjacent, right? Um, so I think that that's really fun. Um, I even like the design of Lash. He looks super threatening. Yeah. He's got that big mohawk deal going on all the way down the back. Um, it's very cool. It's very interesting in design. And yet, I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, it it I like it. But I don't, again, I don't care that much about it. I think maybe it's because of Andrew. Maybe it's because yeah. the, you know, because he won't, because the only inhuman that we are deeply connected with at this point is Daisy. Right. And he's not going after Daisy. He's In not hurt. much Daisy. as we're
0: deeply connected to her.
1: Okay, I'm a little more deeply connected to Daisy than you are, I I'm get it. I'm sorry, but,
0: I'm sorry. I just, you said yes.
1: that and I had to be like, <laughs> but yes, no, I, I am more invested <laughs> in
0: her by far because screen right. time, is nothing she's the else. inhuman Absolutely. that the, we're
1: the most invested in. If Reyna was still alive, I would be <gasps> completely yeah. into Reyna, right? Um, but she's the one that we're invested in and he's not a threat to her. He won't hurt her because it's Andrew and because he knows her, right?
0: Well, I think he won't hurt her because it would tip his hand, actually. Oh, I think maybe? that Daisy is not safe because of friendly feelings. Ooh. I mean, maybe that's in there. Maybe. Because this is the best thing about Lash, and, and is that Lash is not a character, right? right. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to let Andrew do the heavy lifting on this, but let's be honest... Lash is almost another personality or something because Andrew Mm -hmm. does not seem like the kind of guy who would just wake up one day and decide to hate an entire group of people so Mm -hmm. much that he goes out and murders them. Right. Right. And so we're supposed to, like, let Andrew's character, who you and I only kind of care about, do the heavy lifting on Lash, who is not a character at all. But I'll Mm -hmm. tell you what he is. Yeah. Yeah. He is the perfectly crafted MacGuffin, my God. (laughs) He's perfect. Yeah. There's like three, there's like a triple blind and it Mm -hmm. totally works. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. But he's not a character. Mm -hmm. And so why would we care outside of the twist and turns of the plot?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I just always, I always felt like I'm not that interested in it. In this run, I'm most interested in, you know, the planet with the monster, and then Gideon Malik and the Hydra stuff, and like all of that kind of thing. Like I'm interested in all of that stuff happening, um, and I'm also interested in like you know we st- we open up the the season with Joey. Right. You know, who's the uh-huh. newest yes. Inhuman, the, the metal melting inhuman that uh, that shield, quote unquote, kind of saves, I guess, um, in a way. I mean, he um, does. I mean, that, listen, yeah.
0: the way that was going to go otherwise were cops were going to show up and fire. And uh, if he wasn't true. melting bullets at that moment, he was going to die.
1: That's because, true.
0: again, the Avengers have given the world plenty mm-hmm. of reason to hate and fear superpowered yeah. people. So. I do
1: like him. I do like the fact that he is gay, right? So we have that. We have Mm -hmm. a gay character. We're not giving him a romance or anything.
0: Well, he's new. And let's just hope that he... Completely insinuates himself between Daisy and Lincoln, and he and Lincoln ride off into the sunset, and we can wait. Okay,
1: you know what? That would make me care about Lincoln a lot more. <laughs> that would make me care about Lincoln a lot more. But yeah, like the fact that we have one gay character, and it's the only one that has absolutely no romantic relationships whatsoever, because we have not allowed any other LGBTQ onto the set. <laughs> you know, as of this time. So, um, so that I find a, a you know a little bit irritating. But I do like the fact that we are there is at least an, an LGBTQ yeah. like. A, Acknowledgement, um, which is where, you know, a start, I guess. So we do have that in, in our inhuman stable, and, you know, we'll see that grow a little bit more. I do like that we bring him in, that he starts working, you know, as part of the team. If this was something that he deeply wanted to do and that he was deeply into, I think I'd like it a little bit more, but, you know, whatever. He's, he's excited. He's got powers. He's starting to use them. It's cool.
0: Or if he was very against it, but then saw. S.H.I.E.L.D. help other inhumans, yes. and he changed his mind, and right? And wanted,
1: and this is what he wanted to do. Like, I would feel like if he had a personal investment in making that choice for himself, rather than having it made for him, mm-hmm. I think I'd probably feel a little bit better about it. But I like the character. I like, the, much, I like yes. the character. I think that he's really, really cool. Um, yeah. So other things, I love Peter McNichol returning as Elliot Randolph, the wayward guardian <laughs> professor Man. guy. That might
0: be my actual favorite episode, and mm-hmm. for for a few reasons. But yeah. a number one, him. He is so yeah. good. It's a little different. Like their characterization of him is a little different yeah. from uh-huh. the last time. Yeah. But w- but it's but it's like you know what? That guy's like four thousand years old. We don't know uh-huh. his life. He was a scared <laughs> rabbit this last time. This time he's like I'ma in this shit, and I'm here for both of them. I'm, I like it. I like it. It's, that was a really good pull.
1: I like him. I like him a lot. All right. So I hear that your son has a theory about Maveth, 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 Maveth. What is it? Listen, there is no
0: way. It It doesn't matter. Maveth or Maveth. (laughs) I guarantee you, I am ready for our Jewish listeners to set me straight. But if that is remotely how that word is actually pronounced, I will eat (laughs) someone's hat. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It is it has most a bunch likely of white wrong. people saying yes. a, a very Yiddish or Hebrew word. I mm-hmm. don't buy it. So yeah. please correct me, Jewish listeners, yes. if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. um, but I bet I'm not. And when you come and ratify that I am correct, please also tell me how to say it properly. That would be yes. cool uh, <laughs> thank phonetically. <you>. But
1: <laughs> please yes. and thank you. Yes.
0: But my son is watching this with me. And I have to tell you, it's kind of funny because he watched all of season one and two with me, too. And when we came to season Uh three, he was like, what are we doing? And I was like, I have to watch 10 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he went, oh, God, (laughs) just like that. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, man, yeah. But but my kid is going to Mars someday. Uh He has got a plan. He loved all the stuff on Maveth because astronauts and other planets. And he has... A theory. And his theory Mm -hmm. is that Maveth is not a planet at all, but is in Uh fact a moon that is tidally locked with the actual planet, which is why there's this ginormous thing in its Uh horizon. So it is a moon to that planet and is tidally locked like ours is so that it has a Uh light and a dark side. So Uh that's why there's never any sun or rarely any sun is because it is actually a tidally locked moon. And you know what? I don't know if that makes any actual fucking sense with real science, (laughs) but he assures me that it does. And I believe me in this house, he is in a position to know. It sounds
1: pretty great. I like that.
0: (laughs) And I was like, man, if only I could get my 13 year old a job suggesting science shit to the agents of shield Riders. no that's kidding awesome
1: no kidding i love it that's fantastic all right Joshua. And he just
0: rattles it off lonnie he's sitting yes. next to me as we're watching and he was like well the problem is that's not a planet and i just paused it and i was like
1: <laughs> do tell
0: and then i get the whole explanation like i gave I and i was it. like your explanation makes more sense than theirs and i hit play and we moved on It was beautiful. I love it. it. Somebody should
1: absolutely hire him as a consultant for their (laughs) sciency, for their sciency shit. All right. So, Joshua, what is your favorite part? Well, you snaked
0: my actual favorite part, really, because, (laughs) which is fine, because Uh you love it more than I do. I love it, but you love it more than I do. Mm -hmm. So if it's not that one moment, which Mm -hmm. we will get to, I think that my favorite part is the sheer unadulterated of this show to just rip off X Men's Hellfire Club in the same set of episodes that they're ripping off the X Men's whole thematic raison d'etre and then daring to make their Hellfire Club also Hydra. It's unfucking believable. The stones on these people. I mean, what I really want to see at this point is S.H.I.E.L.D., Uh mostly lowercase, the S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Like up against whatever 1700s Hydra was calling itself. (laughs) I know I'm not going to get that, but I would watch that show.
1: Oh, my God. That sounds fabulous.
0: But yeah, that's the thing. A secret like a mm-hmm. like a secret society that's uh basically rich assholes, yeah. you know, that has been around forever. Uh-huh. So they've got this long illustrious, you know, history of uh very famous white rich assholes mm-hmm. being members. Is the Hellfire Club. <laughs> And and look, I will say the X-Men do it much better and with much more style. Uh-huh. But as I'm when they did the flashback intro to that one episode, when everybody's like, who's going to draw the short straw and have to go to yeah. the other planet? I was like, um, excuse me, which one of you is the Black King? I would like to know. And who's the White King? Because this looks like the Hellfire Club. Loved it. Just
1: awesome. amazing. So
0: a much simpler answer, Lonnie. Tell us about your favorite part.
1: Oh, Fitz in Morocco. Badass Fits in Morocco. Just, yeah, the whole scene. I loved it. That's my favorite part. I will go back and watch just that scene sometimes when I'm feeling down because it makes me so fucking happy.
0: It's good enough to do that. It really it is. is. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. Lonnie is at Lonnie Diane Rich and I am at Joshua Unruh and the hashtag is Listen Up A-Holes.
1: This episode of Listen Up A-Holes was brought to you by the Chipperish and Pulp Diction producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Listen Up A-Holes is coming to you free and ad free right now. So thank you to our June producers. Abigail, April, Alice, Erica, Rose, Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah, and Shelley. Thank you producers and to Everyone who supports Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, this message is for you. The only spies without trust issues are either young or dead.
0: Oh God, they even lampshaded the bad OPSEC. Anyway, (laughs) to find out how you too can support Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, our Patreon links are in the show notes. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or make a plan. Plan turns to rubbish, make a new plan. Oh, just to be clear, this is the part where the plan turns to rubbish.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up, A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3, Episodes 11 to 22. Until then, you know, I ran a dozen scenarios of what it would be like when we finally met. There's a lot more blood, and I never really considered the smell.